titles of Jesus. And the one that we come to this morning is Jesus. Jesus is the name of Jesus in the Bible. How about that? Now, I don't know how we're going to get through this today because there are 942 references to Jesus, the name Jesus in our Bible. We learned in Sunday school hour, you can read the entire New Testament in 12 hours, so maybe we'll just do that. We'll just settle in, we'll take a couple of breaks for snacks, and I want to talk this morning about the name of Jesus, and and let me me say this, and I'm not trying to be condescending, I'm not trying to, to insult anybody's intelligence, There are three, the Bible says, there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. We believe as Christians have always believed, the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, that's the Trinity that makes up the one true God. Man is made in the image of God. You are a spirit and a soul and a body made in the image of a God who is the Father and the Word and the Holy Ghost. That having been said, there is no Jesus... In the Old Testament. The Word is in the Old Testament. The Son is in the Old Testament. But Jesus is the name given to the Word when He was made flesh and became a man. The baby that was born in a manger was God manifest in a body of human flesh. And they called His name, God in the flesh, they called His name Jesus. So when we speak of Jesus in in our Bible, we are speaking of of God manifest in the flesh. We'll see that from the Scripture this morning, and then we'll see why, why the Word, the Son, became human, became man. We'll see that, Lord willing, from the Scripture today. We're going to stop at maybe 14 different places in the Bible. So if you're visiting this morning, and and I'm, I'm not... Being critical, different churches, different preachers do things different ways. Many churches I go to, or service I go to, the pastor will read a verse, and then everybody closes their Bible, and then they listen to the rest of the message. Uh, we, we're going to ask you to keep your Bibles open and turn to these verses for several reasons. Number one, we want you to see that what we're saying is actually in the Bible. Uh, sometimes people say the Bible says something and come to find out it didn't say that. Number two, hearing it and seeing it gives you, gives you a, a reinforcement of, of uh, learning. You, you learn two different ways at the same time. And then thirdly, as, as people find out far too often, many times people were told to get a version of the Bible or rec- had a version of the Bible recommended to them. And then when they turn, they find out that the verses that the preacher's reading from the Holy Bible aren't in the Bible that someone told them they should get. And they, they're able to say, oh, wish I hadn't bought this. And, and then they go and get a, a Bible that has all the verses and all the words in it. And that's, that's pretty important. So, amen. All right, let's pray together. Father, help us this morning. Thank you for our, our friends, our church members, our visitors, everybody that's come today. Thank you for the effort they've made to come and be in this place. And we pray, Father, that you would speak to each and every one of our hearts and help us from your word as we seek to learn about your dear Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. As we said, Jesus... 
942 times in the Bible, 605 of those in the four Gospels. 67 in the book of Acts. Christ is found 532 times. Jesus Christ, 189. Christ Jesus, 58 times. Not one of those times is Jesus, Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus a cuss word. Every time it is the name of God's holy Son, and those words are spoken with reverence. The full title, Lord Jesus Christ, found 82 times. Okay, Mark chapter 1 verse 1 says, The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. With that, Matthew chapter 1 and verse number 1, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ. Now, why is that important? Because the gospel of Jesus Christ has a beginning. And the generation, that is the birth of Jesus Christ, has a beginning. But Jesus, but Christ, the Son of God, has no beginning. There is a starting point for Jesus. There is a starting point for the gospel, and that is when that babe was born in the manger at Bethlehem. That is not the beginning of God the Son. That is not the beginning of the Word. But when the Word was made flesh, that happened on a particular day in time. And that day in time marked the beginning of what we preach and what we proclaim as the gospel. Look down in Matthew 1, verse number 25. Come down a little farther. Matthew 1, I'm sorry, verse, yeah, verse 25. Speak about 24. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not until until she had brought forth her firstborn son, because Mary had other children. She's not a perpetual virgin. Her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. So, the baby is born, the baby is named, the name of the baby is Jesus. Look up in your Bible in verse number 21. Verse number 21, why the name Jesus? And she shall bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now, this is a remarkable name and a remarkable statement. Jesus in the New Testament is is the name Joshua in the Old Testament. It's an interesting thing. The name means Jehovah saves. But they name the baby Jehovah saves and then announce he, the baby, shall save his people from their sins. How could that baby have any people? How could that baby save anybody? That baby is God manifest in a body of human flesh come into the world to save people from their sins. Now, we receive a great deal of criticism uh, 
Unfortunately, when we go out to witness, whether it's publicly or house to house or one-on-one, and and oftentimes we'll go to parades and things, we'll have uh, t-shirts that say something like, Jesus saves sinners, or we'll have gospel tracts and they say, Jesus saves sinners. And on the side of our vehicles, this is, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and people are not offended that we believe in Jesus. And they're not offended that we say Jesus saves, but they say, well, why do you have to put sinners on there? Because that's who Jesus saves. He doesn't save self-righteous people who think they're good enough to go to heaven. He doesn't save egomaniacs who think they can work their way into eternal life. He saves sinners. I'm glad of that. He came into the world to save his people from their sins. Now, personally, I don't know about you, but personally, I have sins. I commit sins. When I don't commit them, I am tempted to commit them. When I'm not tempted to commit them, sometimes the thought of sin comes into my mind. I'm not saying that I live a continual life of sin, but it's pretty close. How about you? Well, not me. Really? You never, you never complain. You never gossip. You never stretch the truth. You never, you, come on. Everybody sins. So I look at a, a pool of water. It can't save me from my sins. I look at a church building. It can't save me from my sins. I look at a membership role. It can't save me from my sins. Jesus came into the world to save his people from their sins. That's why he came. If you don't want to admit you're a sinner, you're just going to have to live and die without a Savior. But if you'll acknowledge, if you'll own up to the fact that I'm a sinner and nothing can take away my sin but Jesus, there He is. Provided by God to take away our sins. Now, in, in Acts chapter number 4, Acts chapter number 4, the Bible says, Acts chapter 4 and verse number... 26. The kings of the earth stood up, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against His Christ. So, there is a Lord, and there is Christ, the Messiah, the Promised One, for of a truth. Now, now, when they're speaking against the Lord and His Christ, who are they speaking against? For a truth against thy holy child, Jesus. Whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together, for to do whatsoever they had, uh, they, uh, thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. Verse thirty: By stretching forth thine hand to heal, that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. God, look, God has a holy child. He's Christ. He's the Lord. But he was named in the manger by the angelic host. He was named Jesus. God's holy child is Jesus. The kings were opposed to him. The rulers were opposed to him. Herod and Pilate were opposed to him. But God the Father was always and ever on his side. Sent him into the world to be our Savior. Back back toward the front of your Bible. Come to Luke chapter number 1. And let's see some things about this one 
that they named and called Jesus. Luke chapter number 1. Luke chapter 1. The Bible says, let's start reading at verse number 30. An angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel uh, answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing, that's the physical body, which shall be born of thee, shall be called the Son of God. Now, the Son of God takes up residence in a thing formed in Mary's womb. The thing is a physical body, a human body. The Son of God comes to live in that human body. And when Mary gives birth to a child who is God manifest in a body of human flesh, they name that child Jesus. That's not the beginning of the Son of God. That's not the beginning of the Word. That is the beginning of the earthly, physical, human life of one named Jesus. Look in your Bible in Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter number 2. Verse number 21. And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Verse 27. And he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, and then he, he praises the Lord for the birth of this baby. Now, verse 52, same chapter, Luke two fifty-two, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Luke chapter 3, verse 23. Luke 3.23, And Jesus himself began to be about 30 years of age, being as was supposed the son of Joseph. Now that was supposition because he wasn't the son of Joseph, he was the son of God. But now look, God was never born, Jesus was. God was never eight days old, Jesus was. God was never a baby receiving Jewish ritual rites in the temple. Jesus was. God was never 12 years old teaching and learning and growing and maturing. Jesus was. God never had a 30th birthday and entered the ministry. Jesus did. So you have eternally the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost... The Son became man. And they called the name of that man who is, was, always will be the Son of God. They called his name Jesus. He's a baby. He's a toddler. He's 12 years old. He's 30 years old. He is a living human being, though he is God. The Bible calls this in 1 Timothy 3, 
Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. You say, well, I don't see how God could become man. You don't see how God could be God. What difference does that make? <laughs> I mean, you, you can't figure out God in a body or outside a body. He's beyond our comprehension, but He is within our belief. I can't figure Him out, but I can trust Him. Man, a God I could comprehend would be smaller than my little brain. That's no good. Alright, so, that's, that's Jesus. Now, John chapter 1 will reinforce what we read in Matthew 21. John chapter 1. He came to save sinners. John chapter 1. Let's read starting at verse number 35. John 1.35 Again the next day after, John stood and two of his disciples, and looking upon Jesus as he walked, he saith, Behold the Lamb of God. Now that's remarkable. The Lamb of God. Come to verse 29. The next day John seeing Jesus coming unto him, and saith, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. So, now we have a curious situation. Jesus came to save sinners. Jesus came to take away the sin of the world. If God, now listen, if God could take away sin... By a pronouncement of his lips, Jesus does not come into the world born in a manger to Mary. If God could take away the sin of the world through animal sacrifice or the offering of grains or of the saying of prayers or the performing of ritual, Jesus Christ doesn't come into the world. If God could take away sin by changing the rules... Jesus doesn't come into the world. But here's here's what must be said in this generation because it's not being said in this generation. The God who is love, and He is. The God who loves you, and He does, is also just and holy. Now here's what people want of God Because it's what they get from their father and their mother and their school teacher and their principal and their pastor. They want God to say, Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not covet. They want God to give those rules because they're good rules. Then they want God to say, The soul that sinneth, it shall die. They want God to say, these are the rules and you better keep them. But then, when they break the rules, they want God to love them and just pretend there never were any rules. So everybody goes to heaven no matter what they do, and the only thing that's bad is to judge me. And so, God made rules... God set forth the consequence and the penalty for those rules, 
everybody's broken them, but they want to pretend that God will not do what He said He would do and punish those who broke His rules. I have to tell you, according to the Bible, the God of love is a God of justice. And the God who loves you is going to execute justice upon those who break His commandments. Now, the only way Jesus could save sinners is to come down here and take the place of the sinner and receive the punishment that was due to those who broke the commandments. That's why He came into the world to save sinners. That's why He didn't stay in heaven and save sinners, because if He stayed in heaven and saved sinners, He couldn't pay the demand that sin made upon the sinner. The Bible says the wages of sin is Death. The Bible says the soul that sinneth it shall die. The only way for God to save me from the penalty of my sin, somebody has to die in my place. Well, you can't do it. You're a sinner. No offense. Nobody over here can do it. You're a sin. I can't die for your sins. You can't die for my sins. We've all got our own sins to die for. Somebody has to come... And live among us as a man who doesn't have any sin. And then he has to be willing to die for sinners. That's the only way Jesus can save his people from their sins. All right, let's look at the Bible. Matthew 27. Matthew chapter 27. Matthew 27. Matthew 27, verse number 50. Matthew 27, 50. Jesus, when he had cried with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. 27, 58. This Joseph Arimathea, he went to Pilate and begged the body of Jesus. Matthew 28, verse number 5. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here. He is risen. Verse number 9. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hail. And they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Now look at this. Jesus died. God didn't die, the Son of God didn't die, the Word didn't die, the body in which the Son of God was dwelling was nailed to a cross, it bled, it gave up the ghost, it died. Jesus died upon the cross. They took down the body of Jesus and they laid it in a tomb. Jesus is dead. Where's the Son of God? He told that thief, he's hanging on a cross. That thief said, Lord, remember when thou comest in thy kingdom? He said, today, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. See? Son of God, he's, 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 
the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning. He's the end. He's the life. But Jesus, see, He bare our sin in His body on the tree. They took that body down. They laid it in tomb. Three days and three nights later, the Son of God comes up from the lower parts of the earth in paradise. He re-enters that body. He walks out of that tomb. He says to the angels on the way out, when they get here to anoint my body, tell them they're too late. I'm risen from the dead. And as they go back to tell the other disciples, He's not there. The angel said He's risen from the dead. He met them in the way. He said, good morning. I told you, I told you I was going to rise again. And He did. So, so Jesus Christ the Lord died for our sins on the cross. They buried that body in the tomb. And three days and three nights later, Jesus rose from the dead. And He's alive forevermore. Now, if the wages of sin is death, He died. But if He rose again, that means He fully satisfied the demands of God's righteousness and God's justice, and He is alive forevermore. So we're not here today trying to walk in the footsteps of Jesus so that we can, can wend our way to heaven. We are putting our faith and trust in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ so He can give us everlasting life through the forgiveness of sins. We're not, look, if you've got one, fine. What would Jesus do? That's better than, than what most people would do. But if you've worn that thing for a week, you know you didn't do what Jesus did. You can't do what Jesus did. I saw a car yesterday had a sticker on the back said, or, or Thursday Friday said, what would Buddha do? I said, he wouldn't do anything. He's dead. <laughs> He'd sit there and eat till he's so heavy he couldn't get up. He just... <laughs> Guy hadn't moved in a thousand years. He's just sitting there cross-legged. What would Jesus do? I'll tell you what he would do. What he would do, he already did. He died on a cross. He was buried. He rose again. If you'll call on him, he'll save you. That's what he'll do. All right. So, let's turn to Bible to Acts chapter 2. Let's see what was preached by the members of the New Testament church from its very beginning. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Verse number 1. They were all one accord in one place. Okay? Verse 4, filled with the Holy Ghost, began to speak. Verse number 5, they're dwelling in Jerusalem, devout men. Verse 6, when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. Verse number uh, 9, man, they're Parthians, Medes, Elamites, dwells in Mesopotamia, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, parts of Libra, and Syria, Cyrene, strangers, Rome, Jews, proselytes, Cretes, Arabian, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. Verse 14, But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said to them, now Let me just ask you something. Do you think all those thousands and thousands and thousands of people that were there on this day of Pentecost in Jerusalem, do you think when the Holy Spirit came into that upper room and filled those disciples, that the entire multitude that was in the city pressed their way into that upper room so they could hear the preaching? Or do you think those people went out into the public square and preached to the people where the people were doing business and trading and, and going about? Just 
I mean, the answer is obvious, but it's not obvious to people in this generation. And so they went out, they lifted up their voice, and here's what they said. Verse 21. And it should come to pass that whosoever should call upon the na- call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know. Him, that's Jesus, being delivered by the terminal counsel for knowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain whom God hath raised up having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. Now everybody died for 4,000 years, death held on to them. Why was it impossible for death to hold on to Jesus? Because he had no sin of his own. The only sin he died for was yours and mine. He died for the sins of others. And once he had finished satisfying the demands of God's justice... Death couldn't touch him. He stayed in that ground three days and three nights because that's what the Scripture said he would do. And when the three days and three nights were over, he walked out and death couldn't say anything about it, but see you later. Couldn't stop him. Couldn't hold him back. Hallelujah. And so the Bible says, now now keep going. Verse 31, he's seen this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul not left in hell, neither his flesh to see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up, Whereof we all are witnesses. Verse 36. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now Jesus is the Lord. And Jesus is Christ. But He is Lord and He is Christ because He became man and died for our sins and rose from the dead. That's why He's the Lord. This world, they, they, they say, well, there's Lord's many. There's Lord Maitreya, and there's, there's Lord Buddha, and there's Lord, you know, Nelson, and there's Lord this, and there's Lord that. No, Jesus is Lord because He died for you and rose again. Jesus is Christ because He died for you and rose again. The one who died was buried, rose again. Then that's what they preached in the very beginning. Believe on Him. They never preached a sacrament. They never preached a membership. They never preached a good works program. They never, they said, Jesus died for you. Jesus is buried. Jesus rose again. If you believe on him, you can be saved. That's what he came to do. Acts chapter number four. Acts chapter four. Notice where we're getting our information. So why we got to look at all these verses in the Bible? Why do you got to look at all those websites? You don't have to keep looking at, at Facebook every day. It's the same stuff. This is me brushing my teeth. This is me after I brush my teeth. See the difference? I don't want to. <laughs> These guys get up and they, they got radio stations, radio, entire radio stations devoted and, 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 and magazine stuff devoted to to. Play, now here's what they say, playing fantasy football. You're not playing football. Somebody else is playing football and you're pretending they're on your team. My team won. And they, get, they study all these statistics. And oh, my guy caught three, caught three touchdowns yesterday. He's not your guy. He don't even know you're alive. 
He doesn't care. Yeah, but I won my championship. No, you beat a bunch of guys that are like you. That's it. <laughs> All that stuff, man. Again, the, well, at 12 o'clock, the pregame show comes on. Well, Coach, uh, what's the plan for today? Well, we're going to play hard. We're going to stay focused. And, uh, and What do you think the key to winning is? Well, I, I believe that if we can score more points than they do, and I believe we're going to win. Well, that's great. And now for the expert commentary on what the coach just said. Uh, what do you think about what the coach just said? Well, you know, we, we've been studying that team for the last five years, and we've noticed that each time they score more points than the other team, they do indeed win. And I, I, f- I fully believe that today, today, if, they, if their defense can hold and their offense can score, if they'll, if they'll outscore the other team, they'll probably win. And so then they have the game. And after the game, the panel of experts come on. You know, we saw it again today. The team that scored the most points won the game. And people will watch that morning, noon, and night, and then come to church and say, what are we going to look at another verse in the Bible for? At least they're different. (laughs) Just just incredible. A new career. They'll be flooding. They'll be flooding Daytona here in a week or two for NASCAR. I like to be a NASCAR announcer. And there he is. He's going straight. He's going straight. He's going straight. He's turning left. He's turning left. Now he's going straight. He's straightening it out. He's turning left. He's turning left. Now he's going fast. He's going fast. He's going fast. He's slowing down to turn left. Hey, that's what they're going to do for four hours. They're going to go straight, they're going to turn left. Then they're going to go straight, then they're going to turn left. If one ever turns right, that's the only time people snap out of their beer drinking and go, Whoa! (laughs) All right, back to the message. And women say, well, I haven't watched that. I know, you'd sit for four hours and watch someone bake biscuits. Why don't you get up and bake your own? (laughs) Today on Martha Stewart, (laughs) how to cook beanie weenies for inmates, you know? (laughs) Hey, listen, let me tell you something. The reason people don't get bored with that stuff on those, on those TV channels, because they're interested in it. And the reason some people don't get bored with church is because they're interested in it. And I get bored, why, you know, most of that stuff on TV just bore me out of my mind, just like church bores most people out of their mind. But listen, I, I don't have any idea who these guys are from Louisiana, except I'm from Louisiana, and I hope they're my cousins because they're millionaires. That's all I know about them. That, and if I'd have known you could get that rich, tricking ducks into landing on a pond, I'd have tried to make up a whistle. But it's, it's just amazing to me how, how people get so emotionally involved in the lives of total strangers. And they won't get emotionally involved in the life of the living Son of God who loved you and died for you and gave himself for you. I mean, what, whatever's happening on those reality shows or those, uh, those other things, none of those people are going to do anything for you. But this man in this Bible, he did all this for you. You 
not, you're getting wrapped up in him. All right, back to the back to the message. That was that was commercial timeout. <laughs> Acts chapter four, verse number ten. Be it known unto you all, and all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which is become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other. There is, for there is none other name. See that? Under heaven, given among men, whereby we must be saved. Now look, we must be saved. But under the whole of heaven, there's only one name that can save. It's the name of Jesus. Why? He's the only one that satisfied the justice and the holiness of God when He died for your sins and when He died for mine. It's the only saving name. We will coexist with other religions, but you just got to admit your religion can't save. We will peacefully dwell with people no matter what they believe. But if you want to go to heaven, you got to believe on this name. The name of Jesus. Nobody else died for your sin. Because why do you have to criticize other people's religion? It's not criticism. It's an honest statement of fact. Muhammad didn't die for your sin. Confucius didn't die for your sin. Popes and pastors didn't die for your sin. Only Jesus. So we believe on His name. Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter number 8. Acts chapter 8. Verse 35. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. Not Christianity, Jesus. Not Baptist, Jesus. Not Protestant or Catholic, Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest, with all thine heart thou mayest. He's not going to baptize anybody that's not a believer. Baptism's for believers. It doesn't make you a believer. It's what you do after you believe. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Then he baptized him. Acts 13. Two more stops. Two more stops this morning. Acts 13. Acts chapter 13. Acts 13. Verse number 23, Of this man's seed hath God, according to His promise, raised unto Israel a Savior, Jesus. See who the Savior is? The Savior is not church. Church is where saved people gather. The Savior is not good deeds. Good deeds are what saved people do. The Savior is Jesus. Now, I'm going to say this carefully, because it... it, The Savior is not God. God sent His Son, Jesus, to be the Savior. He said, well, I believe in God. Jesus said, you believe in God, believe also in me. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Believing in God is an excellent start. Because it makes it possible for them, for you to then believe what God said about salvation. But believing in God is not salvation. Believing on His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, is salvation. 
Philippians chapter 2. Philippians 2, one last stop this morning. Philippians Philippians chapter 2. Verse number 5. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. See? Nobody's God's equal but God. Jesus Christ, he's, he's God's equal. But, made himself no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of man. See, he exists, he becomes man. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name, which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, of things in heaven, and things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. One day, every man will agree with God. When they agree with God, this is what they will acknowledge. I come short of your glory. The man sitting at your right hand, Jesus, he is your glory. And I humble myself and bow my knee before the only Man who was without sin. Now, if you do that today, if you do that this side of death, you can have everlasting life in heaven. If you refuse to do that in this life, you will never see life. But before you are sentenced finally to eternal destruction, you will bow your knee. And you will confess... That Jesus is the Savior of sinners, and you didn't trust Him. He was my Savior, but I told Him no. And now I spend eternity unsaved. I'd much rather be on the side that bows the knee now as a believer. If you're here this morning and you're, you're truly, truly, listen, don't, don't, don't pack up. We might, they might kick a late field goal in the sermon going to overtime. <laughs> Careful. Honey, what's for supper? I microwaved some leftovers. Oh, why? Well, I was watching the cooking channel all afternoon. I didn't have time to make supper. <laughs> listen, listen. Jesus doesn't Oh, i got to say this so carefully. He doesn't want to come help you out of your problems. He wants to save you from your sin. Everybody's got trouble. There are people here this morning with loads of trouble. Emotional trouble, life trouble, family trouble. And if you came here looking for a Jesus that's going to fix all your troubles, that's not what the Bible says He came to do. He will help you in your troubles, but a lot of them aren't going away. Not in this life. My wife saved. That didn't make me any better husband. See? She's still got troubles. 
You're probably you get saved this morning. You're gonna to go to work tomorrow. Your boss isn't gonna be any nicer to you just because you got saved. We're not talking about that. What we're talking about is eternity, forever and forever and forever. You can enjoy the presence of God if you trust Jesus as your Savior from sins. Or forever and forever and forever you can suffer in a place where sin is punished. That's what we're talking about. Now my life's better because I know Jesus, but it's not trouble free. My life more peace and more joy because I know Jesus, but it's not without its aggravations just like yours. But I have everlasting life. And that's what you can have if you'll trust Jesus. No other saving name than the name of Jesus. A Father in heaven.